0: You're listening to What Mad Universe on the HyperX Podcast Network. Check out all our shows on podcast.hyperx.com. Content warning: racism, alcoholism, rape, and scurvy sea dogs. Action, excitement, horror, romance, horror romance thrills and chills, swords and sorcery. Rockets and ray guns. A dizzying canopy of the strange and impossible from the darkest depths of the human imagination. What mad universe encompasses such tales as these? Join us as we bear witness to the sweeping sprawl of all the history that never was and all the futures that could yet be. It's adventure as you like it on... What? Bad Universe!
1: Fifteen men on a dead man's chest
0: Yo-ho-ho and
1: a bottle of rum Drink and the devil had done for the rest Yo, ho, 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 and a bottle of rum The mate was fixed by the bosun's spike. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum The bosun's brain with a marlin spike Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum And Cookie's throat was marked be like Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum It had been gripped by finger's and And there they lay, all good dead men Like break a day in a boozing can Derelict, 1891 by
2: Young E. Allison. Arr! Welcome, me hearties, to what mad universe? I'm your captain, Philip Rice, also known as Calico-Phil. But I'm not alone, not I! Sailing with me is me quartermaster Long Adam Prosser. Today we be talking of a book called Portobello Gold by a lover by the name of Arthur D. Howden Smith. It's a prequel to the famous pirate tale Treasure Island. We'll be right back after this, Yes, savvy. <laughs>
1: Hi, it's me, Jeremy Parrish, co-host of the Retronauts Podcast, the only video game history podcast that's been around so long, it's also a part of video game history. Every week, one of the motley rabble who hosts this show leads a deep dive into the past, whether it's to break down a classic franchise, learn more about a timeless game from its creator, or just wallow in nostalgia. Relive history with Retronauts, here on the HyperX Podcast Network.
0: Loot drop incoming! Get to the drop at HyperX.com for store-wide savings. HyperX is fighting the battle against inflation with deep discounts against all categories of HyperX gear. Head there quick, though. Once March ends, so does the madness. It's the HyperX Loot Drop 2 going on now at HyperX.com.
1: Uh... We're back. Uh, how did those pirates talk like that? It's very hard on the throat. Uh, well, the uh, the answer is they didn't, but we'll get into that. Uh, um, so uh, as as I mentioned at the top, uh, we are discussing uh, uh, Portobello Gold by um, uh, Arthur D. Howden Smith from uh, um, 1924. Um, and it's a, uh, an authorized prequel, so it, it actually had the authorization of the... Um, uh, stevenson estate of uh treasure island which is sort of the formative book in in the formative it's the one text that, it's in... the
0: one that made pirates really popular as the the go-to pulp adventure story for a while there yeah yeah
1: i mean it, it was building off of other uh sort of island adventure tales and you know
0: yeah, Daniel Defoe. Seafaring uh, things. It was, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: Robinson Crusoe, but that's not really a pirate story. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, pirates were a real thing. You know, and there was the Golden Age of piracy, which is which Treasure Island is ostensibly set in. Though it's very vague on on time periods, and it really could be set anywhere if not for the fact that pirates are common. Hmm. Um, there, like, there's uh, like it's clearly supposed to be set in the seventeen hundreds or so, but um. They, there's no, like, uh, uh, references to historical events or, or years or, like, you know. Um, it doesn't do the madman thing where, like... Right. Yeah. You, you know? Boy, I sure uh, which, hope America um, doesn't declare independence
0: any time. Right
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which um, Portobello Gold does actually do uh, a fair bit. Like, it sets it more firmly in, in a in the time. But uh, we'll get into that. Uh, so... Pirates, can I just ask
0: uh, before you go on what time period does it set it on
1: Uh yeah it's it's um mm. it's 1700 so the golden age of piracy Okay um and it's um basically it it replaces the uh uh real life uh pirates uh, blackbeard and uh steed bonnet uh with um, sort of stand-ins one of which is uh captain flint from was mentioned uh, several times in the original right. Treasure Island.
0: Well, he's the one who's he's he's the one who yeah, yeah. made the who created the treasure that they're looking for. Yeah. 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 When I say
1: mentioned several times, he's like an important character who doesn't actually appear because he's dead by right. the time it starts. Right. But he left uh, a treasure he... map. Arr. No. Yeah.
0: Or did he leave a treasure map? There isn't actually a treasure map yeah. in Treasure Island, is there?
1: No, there is. Oh, there, there is. is. Okay. Yeah. Um so uh i'll i'll get into the the, yeah the actual plot of this book but i wanted to give a bit of background on my relationship with pirates i was really into them as a very young kid i think i watched the bugs bunny cartoon where yosemite sam's a pirate i think buccaneer bugs might have been that one there there, i think there's a few of those but Mm -hmm. um uh and i got really into pirates for for a year there so i you know dressed up like pirates all the time and um Uh, very embarrassingly, uh, I asked my parents to have my leg cut off so I could have a peg leg. (laughs) Very young. The really embarrassing
0: part is that they did it. I mean, I (laughs) I don't think they should have kept custody after that, but anyway, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, so, um... And uh I hadn't actually uh read Treasure Island. I think I as a kid I had read like a, a children's, you know, illustrated version. It's like mm-hmm. extremely truncated and takes out, you know, the gory bits and the, the racist know, bit. That you um, know,
0: it's it's funny because I I'm not sure I've ever actually read it either, because I've read um the um uh, like, I've seen multiple adaptations of it, but, of course, the Disney, ver- Disney sci-fi version of it, but there were, like, there's been multiple versions of it in one form or another, including the Disney mu- movie, like, the the, f- the 50s movie, I mean. Um yep. And, uh, and like, there's an... <laughs> I used to watch Alvin and the Chipmunks, and they did a version of it, and, like, I don't yeah. know, all these, all these versions of it that are out there that are in the popular consciousness. Oh, Muppets version, of course. But I'm not sure, and I... I, I I definitely started reading it. I think I found it a little too heavy going as like, I was really little. I was like six or seven when I tried to read it. And I think, I don't think I managed to get through it. Um, but there's stuff that gets left out like the black spot and, uh, and, and blind pew who aren't in most versions of it. Um,
1: yeah. And Israel hands, right. Right. Um, who, uh, we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, so fairly recently, um, I uh, was browsing Tumblr, and I came across a reference to, uh, uh, it was called in the post, Libertalia. It's also Libertatia, and it goes by both. It's, it's an actual myth, uh, like a sea myth, um, of a secret pirate colony off the coast of Madagascar founded in the 1600s by a, a fictional pirate named uh, James Mission, um, and uh, it's like an anarchist pirate utopia. Right. Where like all goods are held in common, and the and uh, they have no money or class or state, and you know they they rob slave traders and stuff, you know. Um, and that just seemed like a really fun idea to me, so I I started getting into pirates again for research for for a story in the mm-hmm. in my uh, Apex Society comic. Um, basically I've already started sort of the Libertasia arc in that. Um, my take is like stereotypical pirate voices doing like anarchist slogans
0: yeah well i mean that really amuses me and i mean that's that sounds fanciful but i mean it's it's actually notable how in real life pirates uh were sometimes notable for being you know uh not that i'm not going to say they were full-on politically developed anarchists but they had uh aspects of that because the whole idea is of course they're living outside the law and so you've got to have some kind of mutual arrangement like for why this guy's the captain for instance because he doesn't have authority as you know from the of the royal navy or whatever uh so uh, you know and there were often like yeah they
1: voted on they voted on captains right um, yeah and but the captain was wasn't even like firmly in charge of everything except during battle Mm -hmm. they they sort of voted communally uh, generally like this you know a lot of ships so different um rules aboard each ships but the ships had like charters and um there was like uh uh, authority split up between the captain and quartermaster and it's it's a really interesting uh, political situation yeah and you know they were criminals they were thieves they did bad things so i'm not gonna but like the regular society at the time was you know slave owning and you know like like they're probably better than right
0: well i mean it's uh, it's i mean a number of ex-slaves or or just you know uh, black people or people of different ethnicities were able to get away to sea and become you know great uh pirates because there's you know they're living outside of again the the, the law-abiding society would have enslaved them but they were able to you know accomplish things out on on the high seas there's also a number, yeah, of, a uh, number of uh chinese uh pirates who attained great heights as well as so the the woman whose name i i can't think off the top of my head i've forgotten it but she became the sort of the she basically became a political force in uh, i think the 15th century or so by g- attaining this gigantic fleet of of uh, of pirate vessels and so on um and
1: oh um it's uh, uh her name was Zheng yi and it was actually later uh, she was actually after the golden age of piracy so uh she died in uh 1807
0: oh really Okay. I th- so actually, no, no that's, that like would be a in the pirate. Bit
1: yeah. The, the pirate. Era, yeah, yeah. A little bit after, mm-hmm. um, cause that was in like the seventeen six, you know, sixties or so. Right. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, that, that was in a, a different region, obviously, but, um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she, she's probably the most successful, uh, pirate in history, apparently. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's lots of movies made about her and, in China and stuff, and I haven't seen any because I'm uncultured. So yeah, uh, pirates as a concept is is actually really interesting, and I was you know doing uh, re- lots of research on it. I watched a lot of pirate movies, uh, um, and I, I thought you know I'd never read Treasure Island, and I looked into it, and I found there was a there was a prequel written, uh, like an authorized prequel, um, written in the uh, 1920s by um, a guy named, um, uh, Arthur D. Howden Smith, um, who, uh, I'm not too familiar with, but he was a, a successful adventure fiction writer. Um, his, uh, I think his most, uh, famous, uh, series is the Grey Maiden thing, which, uh, Jess Nevins actually mentioned recently on, in a thread on, um, sort of cool pulp concepts that just fell into the public domain. Okay. Um. That one's about a, a sword that gets passed down through history. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember, yeah. Each one's like a completely different character, but it's all centered around this sword. Mm. It goes from ancient Egypt, like, you know, medieval times. And...
0: Uh, the famous swords of ancient Egypt? Okay, yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't read it yet.
0: I guess they had um, swords, but yeah, not known for their yeah, sword craft.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I haven't It's like an it's also enchanted, I think. It's like a cursed sword or something. So, hmm. you know, there's supernatural stuff. But um so that that's something I'd like to read at some point, but I I um sort of came across this by coincidence. Um and like with a lot of things, I don't read like the famous original until I found out there's some sort of weird <laughs> sequel or prequel. Uh, like um with the war of the worlds uh this was a long you know like over 10 years ago but i hadn't actually read it up until i found out about uh, edison's conquest of mars right so i decided i want to read edison's conquest of mars cuz that sounds really stupid mm-hmm. so i'll read war of the worlds first
0: <laughs> well there you go you, you, you that's what we try to do here on the show we have a weird uh, weird in on a lot of uh, classic uh classic books so that we're not just talking about the same thing everyone's talked about a million times and
1: yeah uh so here i decided you know i'll i'll finally read treasure island and i'll read this book afterwards and um uh oh i i also while i was doing research i watched the show uh black sails which is really good it's also a prequel to treasure island Hmm. takes it in a completely different direction but (laughs) uh we'll discuss that um so uh Hmm, I guess I should go into the basic plot of this. Hmm. It, it's basically... Well, first play, of all, everyone
0: knows Treasure Island, right? We all know. We, yeah. don't, we don't have to go over that one. It's got all the classics, no, no. Uh, but... Yeah. yeah. But just so do, do a... remind me, actually, Phil, because there is something I don't remember about Treasure Island. Where does Long John Silver end up at the end of Treasure Island? Does he does he survive or not? I can't remember.
1: Yeah, yeah. He he gets away. Um. Um. He, he sort of connives his way into into getting away, and they, they uh, it ends with uh, Jim Hawkins saying, I don't know where he is now, but I hope he had a good life, sort of thing. Hmm. Um, yeah, something that's not dealt with in a lot of the um, uh, adaptations, he had a black wife in the book. Uh, she's not seen, but she's mentioned a few times. Unfortunately, the book uses a racial slur that hmm. I'm not going to repeat, but, uh, uh, you know, the, the fact that he had a, a black wife is, a, is an interesting take. Black Sails actually does deal with that so that's right. at least one version but uh um yeah so he's um i have i read one um analysis that's that talked about how john silver sort of exists both um outside of and inside of uh what was civil, considered civilized society so like right he's married so he's part of that institution but his wife is black so that's like you know
0: that would have been unthinkable um, and yeah, yeah 17 whatever or, it is yeah
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it happened, but you
0: know. Well, not in as you say, quote, polite society. It was something that you could get away with because you were not part of the 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 regular society. And I mean, in as much as it did happen, it was not like a marriage between equals. It was a lot of there was rarely a good uh, situation when that happened, basically, except maybe in something like this where it's a pirate.
1: Yeah. Um, or uh, sorry uh, i should
0: clarify in places like america and the uk uh there were of course lots of mixed race marriages in places like haiti and uh and south america um but that was although again there was a, there were always sort of strict racial castes uh and and social classes going on with that kind of thing and of course in for instance in haiti you know basically you were higher ranked the more the whiter you were, right? But there were, of course, lots of gradations going down the line, as it were. Uh, and that became a big thing when Haiti declared independence. But to use an example. Yeah.
1: Um, so this book, it, basically it's about how uh, Silver and Flint get the treasure uh, that becomes the treasure from Treasure Island, um, uh, which, again, is the basic plot of um, Black Sails. Um, and, and there seems to be a lot of other other prequels there's one series called flint and silver that's fairly recent that seems to be like had, had a couple spinoffs so um it, it's a thing you know you, uh with a popular book like treasure island and it's public domain so you, know, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want people are going to want to know where
0: that treasure came from right
1: um it's the uh, whole how
0: did sherlock holmes and Watson meat kind of thing, it's, you know... That's, well, that
1: happens in the first book, but...
0: Well, you uh, know what I mean. <laughs> it's the, the, Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing that, you know, once it's public domain, everyone's going to be
2: tackling it, as you say.
1: Yeah. um, I, I think uh, a better example from Sherlock Holmes is the, uh, the giant rat of Sumatra, mm-hmm. which is mentioned, but they don't, cl- you know, clarify what that means. So a lot of writers have gone in and say, you know, explain what that means. Right,
0: right because we have to fill in every little detail of anything that's ever been mentioned and fill in the backstory that's the that's the nerd i yeah no i i agree like in the sherlock holmes stories they they make it so tantalizing and mysterious of course you can't resist wanting to to learn more about it but you know (laughs)
1: it's yeah it's i I don't know it's fun like within reason you know
0: yeah within reason exactly no, then, but you get but, to like the you know Marvel and DC universes where every little tiny thing has to be filled in. Yeah, yeah, You can't just let things well,
1: exist. They're all obsessed with canon and stuff. Yeah.
0: Like you know. Continuity. Yeah.
1: Surprisingly, uh, there's there's another uh, major major character in this book, um, who's sort of the the main villain for most of it. Um, Andrew Murray, A.K.A. Captain Riprap. Um, Riprap after is the brand of snuff that he likes. Um, that he's always snorting. Um, now, uh, so, uh, uh, Phil, do you know what, what
0: snuff is? It's just tobacco, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's, it's a, it's a particular mixture of tobacco and you snort it.
0: Yeah. God, sounds terrible. (laughs) Anyway.
1: I don't know. I think that's what it is. I I don't know.
0: Yeah. God. Um, You can see why that fell out of popularity.
1: Yeah, but whenever you see it in movies, that it's always like somebody just took a you know snort of cocaine or something. <laughs> uh, I guess it would feel like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So um, Captain Riprap is uh, very obviously based on real life pirate Steve Bonnet, except that he's competent. Um, uh, Steve Bonnet, um, uh, who is getting a bit of attention right now because he's um, the main character of a TV show called. Uh, uh, our Flag Means Death, uh, which is on HBO, um, produced by uh, Teiko Watiti and starring uh, Reese Darby from uh, Flight of the Concords as Steve Bonnet. He's the uh, gentleman pirate um, who was uh, a rich um, uh, landowner who decided to leave his unhappy marriage and turn pirate. Uh, he sailed alongside uh, Captain Blackbeard. Uh, like they both had a ship and they like sailed together in, in unison. Um, until uh, a big failure on uh, Bonnet's part caused uh, his crew to abandon him for Blackbeard's crew, but uh, Bonnet stayed aboard, stayed aboard uh, Blackbeard's ship as a guest. Um, uh, Bonnet was pardoned in 1718, but quickly went back to piracy uh, and trying to avoid losing his pardon by uh, going as Captain Thomas and renaming his ship from the Revenge to the Royal James. Uh, but he was captured and hanged a month later. <laughs> uh,
0: wow, okay.
1: So I can um, see why Tato What T you know, wanted to do a story about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh it like the show's not historically accurate, but they get that he's like a bumbling loser and sort of has a weird relationship with Blackbeard where they sort of um it's unclear exactly what Blackbeard saw in this guy. <laughs> uh what T also plays Blackbeard, so that's that's fine. Ah. Um it, I've seen uh, the six episodes that have aired so far. And it's a very fun show. <laughs> Not Like I said, very historically inaccurate. You know, it's got lots of, course, of anachronisms. Well, yeah. <laughs> Intentional. It's a comedy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it, but it's weird that um, this, um, I guess just the idea of a gentleman pirate, but a lot of aspects of his um, of his life are taken into this character, except he's made like a badass. Yeah. Um, Captain Riprap in the, in the story. Um, he's like a, a harsh taskmaster who who whips his his men, uh, and um, uh, he's sort of the um, and he uh, is in a um, like Blackbeard and and Bonnet. He was in a, a mutual relationship with uh, um, Captain Flint, who in this is uh, John Flint. He wasn't given a first name in the original book. Um, but uh in this uh Riprap is clearly like the um more uh dominant partner in the in the business relationship. Uh where, you know, obviously it was the other way in real life. Um so I don't know, it's an interesting flip. Hmm. Um yeah, like uh, a lot say uh I mentioned uh uh Bonnet changed his ship name to the Royal James. That's Captain Riprap's ship in the book i see
0: it's called the, Royal the Royal
1: james. james
0: yeah okay yeah so sorry you're saying so, riprap uh, had it like was the dominant one over flint
1: yeah in the book yeah oh, until flint sort of betrays him yeah um so uh it's actually riprap's plan to get the treasure and he's um setting up this whole thing um and then flint betrays him and, and takes the treasure for himself and there there's a war between the two and um uh, Rip Rap largely fails because uh a lot of his men turned on him because they didn't like being whipped so much. <laughs> yep. Um That'll happen. Uh, yeah, the the book sort of uh as I mentioned it it plays more into sort of the politics of the era. Riprap is um a committed Jacob uh Jacobist uh, let's see.
0: Jacobin. Sorry. With an
1: N. No, not Jacobin. Um
0: Oh, like uh, a supporter of King ja- King
1: yeah, uh, James. Um, yeah. Which so, sorry, I, I I just uh blanked on the name for Jacobite. Jacobite. There we go.
0: Okay, right. Hi, uh, future Adam here. Uh we had a bit of a uh confusing discussion here about history, uh which I managed to uh blunder over a lot. So I'm just gonna clarify here uh that uh we're talking about the Jacobites, not the Jacobins uh the jacobins were in the french revolution the jacobites were a group that um uh followed uh king james of england who converted to catholicism uh was exiled and replaced by uh other monarchs uh, and people held true to uh, James and felt that he should have been the rightful king of England for some time afterwards, and those are the Jacobites. It's a long story, but that's the gist of it. Uh, it was people who felt that the, the the rightful heir to the throne had been uh, exiled from the throne.
1: Um, so, yes, uh, and, and there's actually a lot of... Uh, uh, I mean, there's the fact that uh, the... Uh, steed bonnet called his ship the royal james is sort of evidence that he might have had those leanings as well um and also uh blackbeard uh might have been a, a jacobite um because he named uh one of his ships the queen anne's revenge mm. it was a jacobite uh, figure mm. queen anne um so yeah basically this was like um a, an ex they believed that uh, the that a usurper was in charge and they wanted to restore the proper Uh, line of monarchy um and um in in this in this book his his whole motivation is that he wants to get the treasure so he can fund you know revolutions and stuff to retake england Hmm. um and uh he's uh like i said you know a harsh taskmaster he dresses like uh, a gentleman you know they actually use the phrase gentleman pirate so again uh badass version of steed bonnet (laughs) kind of funny. and uh uh it mentions uh the the difference between him and most pirates from the era uh in that he actually owns the ship that he's on rather than it being communally owned Mm. um which we discussed earlier that they would vote on the captains in this case he's the captain and he's and they're just you know serving under him um and uh it, it contrasts this with uh with flint's crew who um uh after flint dies later on in the book how you know start electing the next captain um uh instead of you know just the you know next in line taking charge automatically
0: right uh is um is john silver in the in the in the tree call as well
1: yeah yes he is he's, he's a um
0: a member of flint's crew right
1: um because that is from uh, the I original talk...
0: book right like he was that he yeah, was, yeah he knew who
1: was there he, he was his play. quartermaster yeah um uh, uh, and he was also called Barbecue because he was such a good cook. That's something that usually gets left out of the adaptations.
0: Yeah, because he's there. <laughs> well, he get, in Treasure Island he's he's posing as the cook. Well, he is the cook on the ship. And that, yeah, but he's just waiting for a chance to mutiny to lead. The yeah, enemy.
1: but like people, like other characters, call him Barbecue uh, throughout. Like even on the other oh,
0: pirates. Oh, okay. Um,
1: like his nickname is barbecue was that um, a
0: common phrase in like the 1700s barbecue
1: yeah it was it, it was a real type of cooking okay. i didn't know that hmm, interesting okay. it's it's wild oh, all right um uh yeah um uh, so yeah i even muppet treasure island thought that was a little too silly i guess to leave <laughs> in. i guess this is this is this is like that um uh oh what do they call that the um uh, Tiffany um, right the Tiffany problem where like the, Tiffany was a common name in the many in the Middle Ages but if you call a fictional character in the Middle Ages Tiffany people will think it sounds weird right right uh, um, so yeah uh, I'll, I'll talk about the, the basic plot it, it gets kind of you know complicated with betrayals and stuff but um, basically it follows a, um, a, a uh yeah, a boy uh, like a teenager. He's older than, than Jim was Jim Hawkins was in the original book. Uh he's the a, a narrator, uh Robert Or Ormerod uh who's the son of the um uh governor of New York. Um uh, this is when New York was still under, you know, British rule. Um and his uh his uncle is Andrew Murray, uh Captain Rip Rap, um, who um comes to um uh, sort of um, recruit him specifically into his crew robert um, uh, only does it because everybody's being threatened and stuff so you know he he goes as a willing hostage Um, it seems uh, riprap's plan is that uh, he wants to rob this uh, uh, particular spanish galley he has an inside man uh, colonel o'donnell who is a fellow jacobite uh, an irishman who's working with the spanish now Um, uh, who um knows about the route the the routes that this ship is going to be taking, um, but riprap uh, can't rob it if like there's lots of other piracy on the seas, you know, because they'll be you know, um, wary about going to certain places. So Murray wants to get his partner, um, uh, Flint to just sort of lay low for a couple months, and Flint won't do that unless um he um has a um hostage, somebody who um. Uh, Riprap will actually care, you know, if he gets killed. So that's why Riprap gets his nephew, because he considers him as sort of heir in his bloodline. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I get it.
1: Okay. Okay. So, uh, but uh, uh, Robert ends up uh, escaping uh, from Flint and joins Riprap's crew uh, while they take the the Spanish uh, galleon. Uh, they bury half the treasure on a uh, island called Dead Man's Chest, hmm. which is uh, a real island, um, and actually was the basis for Treasure Island. Oh, the, the novel. Um, yeah, uh, here I have some of the history here. A, um, a writer named Charles Kingsley wrote a book that featured a list of uh, British Vir- Virgin Island names. Um, and Stevenson saw the name Dead Man's Chest, which is off Peter Island and was quoted as saying, uh, treasure Island came out of Kingsley's at last at Christmas in the West Indies where I got dead man's chest. That was the seed. Hmm. So that sort of inspired the, the few lyrics of the song. Right. So, uh, so when
0: it's 16 men on a dead man's chest, they're on an Island. Okay. So that makes more sense. Possibly.
1: It's, <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's ambiguous in the book, but, hmm. uh, that that's where the, the, the phrase came from. Hmm. So, uh, the song came from, uh, uh, the fact that there's an island named that and then the book sort of uh, the plot of the book sort of came out of that so I think that's that's interesting that um, it all sort of spun out of one little like a cool turn of phrase for an island hmm. um, so in this case uh, so half the treasure uh, is buried uh, they, they go to uh, give the rest of the treasure to, to Flint but there's a lot of mistrust uh, and they end up um battling each other rep um, rep gets uh, killed by the crew um, and then um, uh, so uh, the the main character uh, Robert and I forgot to mention the the Irish uh, uh, guy had a daughter named Moira who's sort of' who's the love interest in the book um, they're taken by uh, Flint's crew uh, Flint is a uh, um, after doing a, a few badass things, like he um, uh, is supposed to bury the treasure, but uh, some of his crew don't trust him, so they uh, go along with him. But Flint returns alone, having you know killed all of them off-screen <laughs> or off-page, uh, which again is, is um, something from the original book. But it's sort of the way it's portrayed in this is sort of I don't know. I, I thought it was cool that they didn't show it, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, the 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 fact that flint killed sex men around um while he was burying the treasure is from the original book but it's not really explained why um i, I guess the, the idea is just so he's the only one who knows it's there right
0: well um, yeah that's the, the the classic idea that the pirates would bury the the treasure and then kill the others so that they were the only ones who knew yeah exactly
1: yeah and this is the or i mean treasure island
0: is the origin of that mm-hmm.
1: um as a as a trope um <laughs> so uh, to to be
0: clear by the way the the, since this is making me think of the simpsons gag where he goes captain we were thinking instead of burying the treasure we could use it to buy things you know things we like and the pirate shoots him uh but the the reason of course pirates i don't know if this is the case in this book but uh they they the reason pirates buried it of course was just that they didn't want it It was it was hot goods and they want didn't want to get caught by, uh, you know, a, a, like a patrol from a, a country where they weren't authorized to operate, and which, because of course that was a thing, some pirates were legally allowed to raid other ships. But uh, the ones that weren't, they, you know, they didn't want to get caught with the goods, so they'd buried it and sail and then come back and get it later when the heat was off. Uh, that's,
1: yeah, they couldn't put it into a bank.
0: Yeah, exactly. A pirate bank would have made a lot of money. Is that what's happening in this book? Is that why they buried yeah, it? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's the idea. Yeah. Um, um so yeah um at this point uh after this bit of badassery flint falls into uh, an alcoholic stupor gets ill and dies uh, over a long prolonged period of time and uh this is concerning for the main character because the um uh, a prominent member of flint's crew billy bones uh wants to uh, uh rape moira o'donnell the, the love interest um and the, the book discusses that there were um various laws and pirate charters to to avoid this sort of thing Uh, the idea was um, you couldn't take a a woman as a prize because that would cause conflict among the crew Um, and Flint was sticking to this but uh, Billy Bones as the captain said he wouldn't stick to this Um, so uh, uh, there's um, uh, uh, an election set up uh, between um, Uh, Billy Bones Uh, again Billy Bones is a character from the original book he's the guy who um, has the map at the beginning of the book and gets killed by silver Um, so in there's an action between uh, Bones and silver Um, silver loses but uh, uh, as Billy Bones is planning on on raping the guy's uh, uh, girlfriend um, silver sort of slips him a knife and Urges him to uh, get into a, a knife fight with uh, Billy Bones, and as was set up earlier in the book, that the main character had uh, lived with uh, the Iroquois, I believe, for years and knew how to, you know, knew hand-to-hand fighting. So uh, he manages to beat uh, Billy Bones, and uh, so Silver takes over the ship, but um, uh, Robert manages to Robert and Moira manage to get away and flee to safety. Um, they realize that uh, they are the only ones who knows where uh, rip-raps half of the sh- treasure is hidden. But uh, they decide not to go after it because it's all, you know, cursed and whatnot. And everybody's, mm. uh, you know, it's it's not worth it sort of thing. Hmm. But he goes back to being the son of the governor. So, you know, he has money. <laughs> uh, uh, so that that's the basic plot. Um, uh, I, you know, skipped a lot of stuff. There There is a lot of... Um, uh stuff with silver, you know, um conversations and stuff. He has a big presence. I sort of skipped over a lot of that. But yeah. um um he's always you know a fun character. He's a fun character in the original book. He's the standout of every right. adaptation pretty much. Yeah. Um
0: well it, there's, a there's actually a short story popular. that uh Stevenson wrote uh where he just he he made a little just a little uh, expressionist short story about um John Silver kind of escaping from the story and he has him literally backstage because of course uh treasure island was already a very popular play in stevens's lifetime and um he he had like the character sort of coming to him in a dream i think it was and he was kind of discussing like hey you got you really like me don't you you're a big fan of me and stevenson kind of like yeah and i feel bad because you're a bad guy i shouldn't be uh i shouldn't be like i shouldn't like you so much he's like yeah well but you know that's just life you know anyway but he's you can see him wrestling with morality my understanding is stevenson's wife uh was extremely uh religious and very very moralistic um to the point where uh there's a story i don't know if it's true but there's a legend that um he wrote uh dr jekyll and mr hyde in uh, and of course, Stevenson also wrote that story uh he wrote it in like a very short time. He just sort of sat down and blazed it out and um she she read it and she was so horrified by it that he tossed it into the fire to you know make her feel better about it and then he sat down and wrote it again basically um but uh but apparently yeah she she kept encouraging him to write more moral themes into his stories, so I think that was something he kind of struggled with uh throughout uh throughout his career, and I guess with john silver as well he had a clearly sort of uh roguish temperament in his writing that kept getting you know uh held back by his conscience as it were
1: yeah and like uh john silver's like he's he's a bad guy in some ways but he also has you know heart to him even the original story like he he um doesn't want to to kill jim at least once he gets to know him um and uh, uh he ends up uh Siding with them again, mostly to save his skin, but yeah, he has this this attitude where you you can't help but like him. Yeah, you got to hand it and to him. And that's often well. That's probably uh, really... why
0: he escapes alive, right, at the end of the story.
1: Yeah. yeah, and um, he's uh, and this is like even increased in a lot of the adaptations. Like uh, Treasure Planet, I think, is one of the best uh, adaptations of this story. Uh, funnily enough, because mm-hmm. it's you know,
0: yeah, it's faithful movie even from two thousand though... something. And yeah.
1: Um, and it's a sci-fi version, but they really handle the Silver Hawkins relationship well, and they make some some good changes that really actually improve the source material in some way. Like uh, Jim Hawkins having an absent father in the uh, right. in the uh, movie version, like a father who just up and left, mm-hmm. um, and so he, he's looking uh, for, for a father right. figure yeah. in, in Silver, and it, mm-hmm. yeah, it really works in that movie. I highly recommend it. Uh, it got it got buried, I think, because uh, like studio politics and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was they, some stuff going on. They intentionally sabotaged it and released it opposite a Harry Potter movie. Yeah. <laughs> like
0: Well, yeah. At that point, like, Disney was weirdly trying to sort of kill its animation division, which was very strange. But
1: yeah. Yeah. That's essentially. But also, you know. there was like it was the sort of baby of a previous person in charge right. who wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So like they intentionally tried to bury it. Yeah. It's very odd. Yeah um
0: but yeah it's a good movie you're right that was kind of a late
1: yeah um uh but speaking of adaptations uh uh i i mentioned at the beginning pirate speak um so that's not a historical thing really uh what we think of as pirate speak um mostly comes from the uh uh, 1950 version of uh treasure island dis the original disney adaptation um which uh uh Robert Newton, who was a popular character actor at the time, uh, based uh, the performance on an exaggerated version of his own West Country accent. Yeah. With the idea that there were lots of sailors there. So it makes, you know, some sense, but like his mannerisms and, you know, him saying R and stuff uh, became. what we think of as pirates.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that that is funny because it's, yeah, that's a Devon or Cornwall accent, apparently. Um, but it yeah. is, it is worth noting. Uh, Blackbeard apparently was uh, from that area, era, area as well. So it didn't completely come out of left field that they suddenly made yeah. all the pirates be from Denfield, Devon. And I think there was one or two other notable pirates that were from that, that era. And as you say, it's, it was a, it, there are a lot of sailors in that era, area. So it's not completely off the wall that they made, that as sort of the stereotypical pirate like they had to cast this guy right uh, yeah. but, but yes as you say it was you know that the fact that that became the stereotypical pirate is based on this one performance and it's interesting because i always thought it was actually as i said it was a popular play back in the 19th century and i actually thought that was what it was it was the actor who played silver in the play uh, but it's as recently as the 1950s that we got the pirate yeah apparently
1: there were earlier versions where he just sort of spoke with an english accent right yeah um, Like, uh, a lot of the the pirate speak we have also comes from the book, uh, like, the the way um, the the dialect is written and so on. Um, uh, But yeah, uh, it it mostly comes out of Treasure Island and adaptations of Treasure Island rather than the actual golden age of piracy, Mm -hmm. like the records that they have of actual pirates writing. And and I know people write differently than they speak, but uh, they just wrote normally, you know, right. typical eloquent uh um 1700s language. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it, it's it's sort of um uh in interesting that, that that pirates speak is just Hollywood basically.
0: Yeah. It's the the cliche, but it's, you know, it's it's stood stood the test of time.
1: Yeah, it, and it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh pirates are fun <laughs> um uh i we discussed the uh the song um uh, 15 men on the dead man's chest which um uh there's only about uh four lines of, of that song in the original treasure island book um but uh, it got expanded in uh uh by the poet uh, youngie allison in uh later on in 1891 in the poem derelict uh we sang a bit of that at the top there's also uh, uh other versions of the lyrics in um Portobello Gold. So um it's not a real pirate song, obviously, but uh it, it became so associated with pirates that uh there there are reports of people saying, you know, I heard this as a child, you know? Hmm. Um, you know, sailors singing it in, in bars and stuff, and um it it, hmm. it didn't. It was, it was from Stevenson. <laughs> But you
0: said it was. But you said he was. It was an older song, and they'd re, re, re-edited it, right? Or they'd added to
1: it. No, 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 no. It's it's a the name of an island, which became a few lines from a song, which became a, a poem, which became, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. But this is all within the Stephen, like eighteen nineties, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, the the book was from uh, uh Treasure Island was from the eighteen eighties.
0: Eighteen eighties. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah
1: um yeah so like uh again a lot of the things we think of as traditional pirate things only go back so far oh yeah
0: oh yeah yeah i know enough about the old west to know that so much of the stuff we think of is given the the current debate that uh sam elliott and jane campion are having right now (laughs) about uh the old west and the fact that that's like been invented that was also invented by hollywood in the 1950s to a large degree and has very little to do with uh reality and uh I, it's not at all surprising to know that so much pirate stuff was invented around that time as well by hollywood
1: mm-hmm. so i haven't talked about black sails much but uh, that's a really good show I'm, I'm not gonna um you know go into detail on the plots and stuff but uh come on
0: phil um, fx is paying you to hype black sails for people <laughs> yeah.
1: um but it's uh, like this uh, a prequel to treasure island but it also roots it in the um uh, the golden age of piracy so um it has silver and flint alongside actual pirates from the time like charles Vane and uh jack rackham or calico jack as he was called um they don't use that name on the show but he does wear calico clothing mm. um uh and bonnie um right oh yeah uh, uh this is a complete aside but uh calico jack had um uh two crew crew members of his ship and bonnie who was um Openly serving as a woman on on a ship a female pirate. He also had Mary Reed who was um, uh, disguised as a man Um, So it's unclear because they you know, there was a woman openly serving uh, and Another one disguised as a man. I don't know might have been trans. I don't know. Yeah, who knows at this point? It was a long time ago. Yeah, Um.
0: Yeah, that's a common thing people say. It's like there were a lot of people who disguised themselves as a different gender for various reasons. And, you know, people say, oh, was that, you know, they were trans people, but they just, that was how it, it manifested itself. But there's also like, you know, if you were a woman and you wanted to be in the army, for instance, that legitimately might have been your only hope to be in the army. So yeah. it's hard to say exactly when
1: we're. It just and this is hard to say because there was an act like a a woman in the right.
0: crew who was yeah, yeah exactly. who
1: wasn't uh, pretending not to be. So mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, it's interesting. Um, and, and again, uh, I'm not going to say pirates were woke, but, you know, pirates were woke.
0: <laughs> well, they, they they had the potential to be woke in a way that the rest of civilization did, at the time didn't. Let's yeah, put it yeah. that way. They could also yeah. probably not be very good. <laughs> be, be not yes, woke yes. at all.
1: They yeah. did kill a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you do not. Um, under a, uh, Revising my earlier statement, you do not got to <laughs> hand it to them.
1: Yeah, I'll hand it to a few of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, blackbeard had uh, uh one of his crew members uh, was um uh known as uh uh black Caesar and was uh um from Africa uh so again you were talking about black pirates that's probably the most famous one from the period um yeah uh golden age of piracy it's an interesting time because mm-hmm. um, it's it's the clash of sort of uh like like you said um it's like a countercultural thing but also you know right crime right
0: well and it's the wild west on the seas as well you can see why yeah that, it's like Edo period japan and the wild west and the golden age of piracies are these these eras where we were drawn to for storytelling but it's it is funny how much of that is treasure island like so many of the pirate cliches are treasure island because like multiple yeah. generations read the book and then eventually saw the movies and Shows and stuff, um, and as kids, and I think that implanted in everyone's brain <laughs> what pirates were like basically.
1: So, so one pirate that, that particularly interests me is sort of a bridge between uh real life and Treasure Island is Israel Hands, who was, uh, like I said, a real pirate, he was uh, uh Blackbeard's first mate, um, but he's also a character in Treasure Island, completely unrelated character, he just has the same name, hmm. but. It's it's like the one sort of bridge between real life and, tr- and the Treasure Island fiction, hmm. um, like Direct Bridge, um, which uh, um, that and the fact that Israel Hands is just a cool name uh, sort of um, ma- made him a- an interesting figure for me. He does appear on Black Sails, and they sort of try to marry the two a bit or the two versions of him a bit. Hmm. Um, uh, but he's left out of a lot of adaptations. He's not in uh, the Muppet Treasure Island version. I-, I think there is a character named that in, um, uh, in Treasure Planet, but like a minor character. Um, and, uh, he's also on, uh, on Our Flag Means Death, but they call him Izzy Hands. Hmm. Uh, and he's played by, um, an actor who I also, uh, just saw in The Batman as, um, he's got a really, like, raspy voice that, uh, It was weird hearing him uh, uh, having the same exact voice, but with an American accent in Batman. (laughs) (laughs) He plays a police chief in that, er, yeah.
2: Well, you sea dogs, it's time to walk the plank. That is to say, the show's over. We've been Philip Rice, C. Cook, Adam Prosser, Gentleman Pirate. Our producer who helps us follow the treasure maps was Alex Ross, and our theme shanty was composed by... Jack Rackin, or
0: uh, Jack Fierick. Jack Fierick's a pretty good pirate name, actually. Uh, <laughs> just just a reminder, I'm not doing... J- Arr! Just a reminder, we both have a Patreon. <laughs> just a reminder, we both have a Patreon, which helps pay for posting costs and whatnot. If you subscribe to either of us, you can listen to this podcast early every time, as well as getting bonus material, cut footage, illustrations, comics, and other such treasure. Just go to Patreon and search for Philip Rice, 1L, or Adam Prosser, 2S's, or NeverSleepsNetwork.com slash series slash what-mad-universe what-mad-universe for the links. You can also follow us on Twitter at WMU Podcast or Prankster36 for me or A for Philip. And don't forget to check out HeroesLive.tv where us and others are posting our streaming content and our uh, comics content. It's available for subscribers, and if you sign up right now, you get a good deal to be an early signer.
2: So until next time, shiver me timbers, R and uh, other piratical stuff. Yeah.